All right, well, good afternoon, everyone, and we welcome you back to the Going Places podcast, episode 95, I believe. 94, I could be wrong. And, uh, you know, as we continue to uh, move forward with the podcast uh, and covering Christianity, covering many different aspects of ministry as we've had on in the last several weeks, I'm excited to have a special guest on today, uh, someone who I've known for uh, several years and his uh, ministry has impacted me, but uh, as well as the lives of many others. He serves as a student pastor at Flint Groves Baptist Church, as well as a speaker for Clayton King Ministries. And he's been in ministry for a long time, and uh, super excited to have him back on the podcast, Mr. Trey Bradley. Hey, man. It's good to be back. I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. I, I appreciate you coming on. You know, it's always good to talk to you. So, uh, what have you, uh, you know, since the last time that, you know, we talked, what has been going on with you, maybe in uh, ministry and just in uh, family? What's God been doing in your life? Well, I mean, I guess I'm trying to remember uh, how long it's been since I was on uh, the last time. I don't think uh, too much has changed. I'm still uh, serving at uh, Flint Groves Baptist Church, uh, doing student ministry and um, still traveling and uh, speaking and uh, doing events as well. And uh, just, you know, serving uh, four children. So they, they keep me pretty busy. Yeah. Um, so uh, life's busy, but it's, you know, it's a good kind of busy. And so, um, so yeah, man, just, uh, just, you know, plugging along just trying to be faithful. Absolutely. That's incredible. I think that, you know, last time I talked to you, at least in Paulson was whenever we had the, uh, worship event that you came and spoke at. And that was, you know, just incredible. So I, I can continually, you know, just see God doing great things. And, and that means a lot to, I know me, but I know many others as well. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that encouragement, man. I really do. And it's exciting to see what God's doing in your life as well, man. And, uh, just to see how you've grown over the years, and so uh, I definitely appreciate it. It's encouraging, you know. I, I work with uh, with students, and so just to see you stepping up and leading the way, and and uh, and just you know, just having that heart for God, man. It's just it's really cool. Absolutely. Well, that means a ton. It really does. So I appreciate that a lot. That's very kind. Uh, one thing that's I kind of wanted to get in talking with you on the podcast today is uh, we've kind of done a bit of a series inconsistently, I guess, on uh, ministry and what that looks like and just solving as Christians as a whole. And, you know, something that for me I wanted to definitely talk to you about, whether, you know, on the podcast or not, is just I would say in the last several months, just, you know, as I, you know, try to go on my walk with God, I've definitely just uh, felt a pretty clear, you know, calling to go into ministry and things like that in some aspect. And I believe that, you know, as I, you know, pray for that, thankfully, God has just opened up some really unforeseen uh, opportunities for me to have the chance to solve uh, in different capacities. So, uh, I w- what would you say when you when you discern that call and when you first get into that? What are some really practical steps that people, uh, myself included, but people all across who may be listening to that, can uh, take from that? Are you talking about just some practical steps when you first sense the call, when you first surrender to the call? Yes, sir. Is that what you're asking? Yes. Sir. Yeah. Um. I, I, you know, it's it's so funny. My um. My dad, you know, was a pastor. Mm-hmm. So, I, I kind of grew up in a in, in the home in a pastor. Or something. He he surrendered to the ministry later, and so I got to experience a little bit of both of those. But but I definitely you know grew up in a home where we were always in church, and and um, I remember I was having a conversation with him uh, when I was beginning to sense the call in the ministry, and uh, he said. 
he said, Trey, if there's anything else you can do and be happy, go and do that. And it kind of threw me off a little bit. <laughs> and I didn't quite, I guess I didn't quite understand what he meant at the time. Um, and so he clarified and he said, because there's going to be a day in your life when, when the enemy's going to have you right where he wants you. And the only thing you'll have to lean on is that call. Obviously, God, of course, but that call that is in your, you know, that where the foundation is your relationship with him. Yeah. And there's going to be time where you're, you're going to see no incentive to keep going. Everything, Absolutely. the easy thing will be to just quit. But if you're really called, then you won't be able to quit. And that's when you know that you have that, that call in your life. And that's why he said, if you can do anything else and be happy, then go and do that. But if you're really called, you won't be able to do anything else and be happy. And so I encourage anyone who's feeling a call to ministry to, to go ahead and just settle that in your heart. Um, if the, you know, is there anything else you can do and be happy? And is because I've learned in my life, you know, ultimate joy and happiness is when I'm serving the Lord in, 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 in ministry. Um, and, and, you know, whether that's preaching, whether that's discipling someone, walking with someone through the relationship with God, um, and, and so I know that that's ultimately that calling. And as far as taking those first steps, I always encourage someone to just start serving right where you are. And, you know, don't don't stress so much over where you're going to end up in the grand scheme of things. In other words, you may say, hey, is God calling me to be a pastor of a church? Is he calling me to be a youth pastor? Is he, is he calling me to Africa? Is he calling me to Thailand? Is yeah. he, uh, you know, what, what's he calling me to do? What does he want? And, you know, does he want me to lead worship? We'll see. You know, just start serving. Start, you know, go to your pastor in your church or you, your youth pastor and say, hey, what can I do? And that may start with cleaning toilets. I mm. mean, it may start with going and visiting widows um, and, and and just being just serving and being available. And as you begin to serve, helping out in children's ministry, whatever, God is going to reveal. Uh, he's going to develop your character. He's going to develop the kind of, the kind of heart. Uh, that he's calling us to be. And and as we serve, he'll reveal to us the areas where we're most passionate. And I would say, obviously, there's sacrifice there. Uh, but at the same time, in other words, if you if you can't stand kids, then it's probably not children's ministry. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, so God, he'll reveal that passion. And, you know, for me, I didn't know, I didn't think I would ever preach a sermon because I've always been an introvert. I'm not really a big, I was never a big fan getting up in front of people when yeah. I was a kid. And so I ended up preaching my first sermon by default. I was on an impact team at North Greenville University, and I, I joined an impact team because I wanted to serve, and I kind of had to do it to get one of my scholarships. You had to have so many hours of service. Yeah. And so that's how I originally got involved. I wasn't the preacher on the team, but the guy that was the preacher quit right before the first event. And so they said, all right, Trey, you're up. Wow. <laughs> you preach until we can find another guy. And so I preached that Sunday. And after it was over with, they were like, "Yeah, we don't need to find anyone else. They were like, you're, you're the guy. And then <laughs> for me, it was kind of like God showed me through that process that, yeah, this is what he wants me to do. And so my encouragement is just start just start serving, and God, he'll, he'll reveal it to you. That's awesome. I think that's a big step because I think, you know, at least for me and a lot of other people that I've talked to as well, once they kind of feel that, then it's like, okay, now what? What are some, you know, practical things that we can do? But I think— you know, ultimately, any kind of ministry that you're doing is ultimately going to be about service. So wherever you are serving best is after, is where I think, uh, and wherever you feel that you're best serving at uh, would be a great place to start. I think that oftentimes, you know, the church 
does a really good job of helping and to equip people who are going into that direction and, you know, giving them opportunities. I think there's always a place for everyone to solve in a church. And once they register that, uh, you know, just putting them where they can, really, I think that's special. Yeah, absolutely. And just trying to figure out what, what are you, I always encourage students. Um, I have several students in my student ministry who they've surrendered a call to ministry. They've put their yes on the table. And my encouragement for them now is figure out your burden and take, take your burden and your passion, put those two together and, and, and do that. And, and it may take some time to, to figure that, that out. But I believe when we mix those two, two things together, we're exactly where God has called us to be. Absolutely. I think that's just, yeah, I mean, you couldn't have said it any better. I think that discerning that is just a, a big part of it. But knowing what your boldness, I like how you say that, knowing what your boldness, knowing what, you know, makes your heart heavy. I think that for me, a, a breaking point, you know, for me was, you know, I just truly realized the tragedy of lost people, you know, people who don't know Jesus, people who haven't accepted Jesus. Mm-hmm. The... I mean, that should break your heart, and it, and it, and it breaks mine, you know? Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think that that's just something that it's different for everybody, and, you know, it, it looks different in different places, but once you, uh, you know, figure it out, you can really get on the right track. Uh, another thing I wanted to say, um, you know, I kind of uh, have, you know, taken some steps along some uh, friends of mine to get started. You know, we've started a, a young men's Bible study at our church, and not, it's, you know, we've talked about opening up to, you know, any youth, but uh, just starting that and leading that with my, me and a friend of mine, myself, as well as uh, our pastor, uh, who uh, took his sabbatical for a couple of weeks. I'm speaking on uh, Sunday nights as well. So that was really a blessing. That was just, you know, really, uh, God just uh, really blessed me with an opportunity to learn how to do that as well. So just seeing God moving that way has been big, too. But so I wanted to ask. When you first started to speak, what did that preparation look like? What are some steps that you take to stay prepared? And just what are some tips for that? Yeah, well, it's uh, the first person that ever taught me how to uh, prepare a sermon was a guy named Merle Boytnot. And um, some of you guys may recognize the connection. He's Stephen Furtick's father-in-law. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's funny. Now, <laughs> I have Stephen Furtick has no idea who I am. If, I, if we were running each other at Walmart, he would have no clue who I am. Yeah. But um, his um, father-in-law was uh, on staff at North Greenville as the impact team preachers. He was kind of like an evangelism role on staff, and he helped train and mentor impact team preachers. And yeah. so um, he, at, at the time, there were about 23 of us preacher guys, I guess, uh, that were there. And... Um, and he, he's the first person. Now, that first sermon I preached, I just threw stuff together. I just yeah. took scriptures and threw it together. But the first person that ever actually taught me how to structure a sermon was Merle Whitenot. And he um, kind of the way he did it was he, he said to take what's called the central theme of the message. I call it the big idea now. And so if you could sum it up in two or three sentences what the message is about, and then you, you write that down and you get an idea, okay, this is sort of the heart of the message. If I could sum it up into two or three sentences. And then you have certain points that are kind of under that umbrella as far as that goes. And so 
my messages are probably heavily influenced, obviously, by him. Uh, Clayton yeah. King has yeah. heavily poured into me with yeah. how to build a sermon. So if you've ever heard me preached, um, Clayton King is a huge influence as far as like the way I structure my sermon. And obviously, he's been a huge inspiration and influence on me, just his passion for the gospel and his passion for reaching lost people and just, you know, opening up the word. And then, of course, um, I graduated uh, with a degree in Christian studies at North Greenville. And, um, you know, North Greenville's hands down, as far as like a ministry degree, it was harder than my seminary degree. Wow, really? <laughs> um, and, and looking back, that was a good thing just because of how much I learned. So I'm, I was heavily influenced by the, the Christian studies department um, at, at North Greenville University. So so if you if you hear me preach, there's a lot of influences there. Um, and, yeah. and I still try to learn today. I, I listen to a lot of preachers. I listen to a lot of communicators. I'm always trying to learn, always trying to grow, um, and just always trying to just stay in the words. Uh, my style of preaching is more expository. Yeah. Um, typically, you've got expository and topical. I, I don't have anything against topical preaching. Uh, every now and then, I may do a topical message, depending on what you know where we're at. As far you know, as far as what we're learning, but uh, but typically I'm a pick a passage, go through verse by verse. That's that's pretty much how I was trained, and mm. so um, that's the approach that I take. That's incredible, and yeah, you know, I tell you what, one thing that's great is that, you know, you've definitely been blessed to, with you know, talk about uh, the people that have influenced you. You've had some excellent influences that have taught you, and I think that's something that's important to everyone. But you've really done well, you know. I've hold. Uh, Clayton King speak as well as you and uh, some others before. I can definitely, you know, tell an influence, but it's incredible. So I think that, you know, finding people that uh, you can listen to and, you know, take notes from and, you know, let them, you know, mentor you and things like that. I think that's huge, not just for ministry, but I mean, discipleship overall is something that I think is absolutely crucial to uh, the church right now, at least uh, the current state of it. I was talking to a pastor uh, recently actually on the podcast, and he said probably one of the biggest uh, faults of the church right now is they aren't emphasizing discipleship quite in, in, in all corners like they should. So do you think, would you agree with that? And what do you think are some big steps in disciple in, in disciple discipleship? Oh, that that could you, you read that one more time? That, excuse me? Could you could you uh, just restate that one more time? Oh yeah, that one of the biggest uh, problems in the church right now, one of the biggest uh, shortcomings, is that they aren't quite emphasizing the importance of discipleship. Oh, absolutely. I think that's I think that's huge um, because it, 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 discipleship is is hard, and that's why I think it's neglected a lot. Um, it takes work to disciple someone. Um, it's easy just to, you know, and, and I'm a, I'm an evangelist, so I'm very passionate about seeing people come to Christ. But if we just say, okay, you're safe, good luck, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, then we're, we, we've not even begun. We're just surface level. We, we haven't even um, – discipleship it means walking alongside someone. It means um, being there with them when, when they – celebrate you celebrate with them yeah you you laugh with them you cry with them uh you continue to walk with them even when they're when they struggle when they fall away uh and this option can be messy sometimes as well uh 
just just because it's like I said, you're it's real life with people. It's this isn't a story on paper. Uh, people who who fall away, people who make mistakes, and you're there to continue to you know hold them accountable. And of course, you've got people that disciple you that hold you accountable. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I definitely think that um, a big issue that we're struggling with in the church today is uh, a lack of discipleship. And that's one of the reasons, one of the things that we push really hard with our student ministry is home groups. We call them D groups that meet in host homes. And having that in the host homes is such a big deal because it gets you away from distractions. It gets you with a group um, and you're able to have that, that time together uh, where you know the rubber meets the road is how I heard a pastor say it one time. You, mm-hmm. you you can't just disappear in a crowd in a worship service. You're there mm-hmm. in a room with about six to eight other people about your age, and you're just you're 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 getting in the word together. And it's hard to it's hard to fake it in a in a setting like that. Definitely, <laughs> uh, at least it's harder uh, than it would be in a big corporate worship setting. You know, absolutely. I think that's something that I definitely. You know, try to, you know, I have, you know, a couple uh, friends of mine who all, you know, would love the Lord, uh, you know, wanted to solve him. But I think that oftentimes it's, you know, relying on each other and that accountability that's there, just being there for each other, just encouraging one another. But at the same time, you know, surrounding yourself with, uh, you know, mentors that can uh, disciple you and just, you know, good godly uh, pastors and that you'll, you know, being surrounded with. I think that's huge. But I think you hit it. You know the nail on the head. When you have these smaller groups, it's more one-on-one, more intimate. I think it's. Uh, I think you're kind of forced to be more authentic as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. And and I think it's crucial if you if you're truly going to take your walk with the Lord uh, to the next level and take those next steps, uh, being in a small group like that is is because you're you're making yourself accountable to someone else uh, or to a, a small group of other people. Um, and that's that's hard to do because you have to be vulnerable in a situation like that. Definitely. And our pride often gets in the way. But when we when we show humility and we we make ourselves accountable to, to others, um, that that's when we truly can begin to grow. To have people in our life um, that know our weaknesses, people in our life that we can confess sin to, can can be honest about our struggles. And I think it really really goes a long way with helping us be more consistent in our relationship with the Lord. Definitely. What would you say is a good tip for, especially you know, young men, you know, you know, teenage guys, trying to uh, mentor one, uh, not men- trying to disciple one another, and trying to, you know, encourage each other. Like, what are some, you know, good steps for that? First of all, I would I would say tr- transparency, and for for guys that that's hard. Yeah. Because um, it's kind of our nature to you know, to, to want to have it all together <laughs> or at least try to pretend like we do, even though, even if we don't. Um, and so that first step of trend of transparency of just saying, Hey, <laughs> I, I, I don't have it all together. There, there are areas in my life sins that I struggle with. And, you know, Jesus, I think modeled that for us. Uh, he even had, of course, the 12 that he spent most of his time with, but even among those 12, he had, Peter, James, and John, that was sort of an, an inner circle. And I believe even we need our own inner circle. And that would, might would be our small group or our uh, our accountability group, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And for, for guys, it's about just, just being honest. Hey, this week was rough. 
Yeah. Uh, these are some things that I'm dealing with. These are some things that I'm struggling with. And, and you can hold one another accountable about, hey, you know, uh, how was your week? Um, what all did you look at on your phone this week? Yeah. <laughs> Asking the, the in-your-face, you know, in-your-grill questions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and just, just being real with each other. And, and if, you, if you messed up, uh, then you have those guys that you can say, hey, I messed up this week. Will you pray for me? Mm. And you're there, not, you know, not to beat each other up, but just to, you know, lift each other up to, you know, to pray for one another. And I think when we have that kind of accountability, it helps us walk more consistently because I know when I meet with my group on Sunday night or whenever that is, Wednesday night, then if I do, if I'm tempted and I fall into that temptation, I'm either going to have to admit to my friends that I messed up and I don't want to do that or I'm going to lie to them. Yeah. You definitely don't want to do that. Yeah. So I think for young guys, it it just helps when you're just like, Hey, I'm I'm going to be transparent. I'm going to be real, you know, about where I'm at and here's where I'm struggling. And Hey, we're not, we're not, we're not going to try to pretend to be somebody we're not. This is just, we're just going to be real here. You know? Absolutely. That's, I mean, I think that's crucial that, you know, we do that and that will, you know, not coming from a judgmental way or condemning them, but really coming from a place of love and, Hey, I want to, you know, you know, see you, you know, do the best that you can and I want to help you. And I know you want the same for me. And I think that's what it's really all about. And, you know, Camden, just to be real, man, one of the things that you talk about how this, this kind of connects with your first question about ministry one of the things you learn when you get in ministry is it, it can be a lonely place mm. um, because and, and from the outside looking in, it doesn't appear that way because you're thinking, well, you're the pastor, you're the youth pastor, you, you know so many people. Yeah. Well, yeah, you know a lot of people, but you don't really have a lot of friends when you're in ministry. That's just wow. that's just and, and it's funny because you think it's only you and you get to talking to other guys in ministry and it's like, wow, this is a common thing, you know. And that's typically the story. So for, so for me, I have to be intentional <laughs> to have um, people in my life that I would consider a, a friend, uh, not just somebody that I, I serve with on a surface level, but a true friend that I can actually be honest about my struggles with, or if I'm struggling with anxiety or, or having some, you know, I have somebody that I can reach out to and say, Hey, can you pray for me? I'm struggling yeah. with, with this. And, and so, you know, for ministry, it, it, it's easy to, to kind of isolate yourself. And that's just something that we have to remind ourselves. That's what the enemy wants us to do. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's oftentimes one of his biggest tools is that if he can get us to feel like we can't talk about something, if we are alone, if we are, you know, isolated and not being transparent with one another, not only does that cause kind of spiritual division because we'll not be united and we'll battle when we're together, I believe, as the church, absolutely. So I think that's oftentimes a big weapon for it. Yes. Uh, one more uh, thing I wanted to discuss with you today. As someone who's a student pastor, I think that, you know, as times change and, you know, generations change, I know you've, you know, been in ministry for quite a while, so you've probably seen a lot of different changes. What is the change you've seen in the state of student ministry, and what do you think is a different issue what do you think are changing issues that students face that may be more difficult that's a, that's a good question and of course you know things are always changing and I often joke with my students I'm always at least two years behind every trend <laughs> so by the time I catch on to something they're always like okay Trey that's so 
you know, 2019 yeah. <laughs> or whatever, or 2021. Uh, so I'm always trying to stay caught up, but, but, but anyway, um, you know, I, I, I've been, I've been at this for about 20 years now. And so when I first, when I first started doing this, social media was very, very brand new. Uh, Facebook was pretty much still a, a college thing yeah. for the most part and was slowly starting to become something else. MySpace was actually still a thing when oh, I first wow. started doing this. And some of you listening now may not even know what I'm talking about, or maybe you've heard of it, but, but it's just a distant memory thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we've seen a lot of changes. I would say the biggest change now compared to 20 years ago is definitely social media. Yeah. And every kid having a phone. Uh, yeah. When I started doing this, um, most kids didn't have a phone. You know, even adults just had, you know, the flip phone, <laughs> the Blackberry, I think. <laughs> maybe just becoming a – no, I don't even think it was a thing yet. I think – 20 years ago, I still had just the, you know, the, the flip phone. Yeah. So that's definitely the thing. Temptation is just, there's always been temptation and kids have always struggled with lust. Kids have always struggled with pride. Kids have always struggled with different things, Definitely. but having it at your fingertips all the time is Difficult. a new phenomenon. And so I'm having conversations with kids now that are like, Trey, I struggle with porn. And it started when I was nine, when Goodness. I was playing on a tablet. I mean, those are the kind of stories that I'm hearing now that I didn't hear 20 years ago. Wow. And these kids are hurting. And I mean, they're not, it's not like they're telling me about this and they're excited about it. I mean, it's, they're like miserable and they're devastated over it and they, they want to get away from it. And it's, it's, it's really hard because a lot of these kids, they're, they're required to have a lot of this technology because of school and things like that. And, you know, for many of them, it's like you're, you know, how it is. Our life is wrapped up in technology Absolutely. now. And it's like, you know, the phone that I have in my pocket, you know, that I'm talking to you on right now. Yeah. Um, I can't, you know, I hate it and I love it Yeah. because of the opportunities I have with it and the flexibility and the convenience with it. But at the same time, you know, there's challenges with it as well. So, of course, um, so I would say that that's the biggest change I've noticed with, with students is um, what having a phone and social media has added to their lives and not necessarily just the, the, the porn temptation, but um, the fact that constantly people having access to them, whether it's texting or, or, or whatever. I remember when, like, for instance, you know, I'm, I'm old. I graduated in 1999, but we you know when I was in school, school could be, pretty intense school yeah. could be rough sometimes you have a bad day maybe you have a bully that messes with your bullies or you're you're you know you, you have a rough day but, you, but, you, but we could go home and we could at least get away from it until the next day yeah um but kids now they they can't escape it they go home and the things they do with the school follows them um and so that is definitely a huge difference and you know and as a, as a student pastor um or, you know, we're, we're, uh, the challenge with us is to teach them that their identity is not wrapped up in um, what what you know others think that they have to be, or what is projected on social media. Um, you know, young girls now a struggle they have now is you know they'll they a lot of times they they spend a lot of their time you know if they're on Instagram they're constantly comparing themselves. You know, and guys too, yeah. to the, the highlight reel that they see their friends. And of course, everyone's going to put their best highlight reel 
And so everybody thinks, well, I'm depressed. I'm screwed up. I'm the only one. It's not out there having a good time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so especially young girls now are just constantly wrestling with comparing themselves to people on social media. And it's just as student pastors is to get people back in the word and say, Hey, your, your identity is not in what social media says or what you, but it isn't what the word of God says. It's in who Jesus says that you are. And uh, that's the one thing that, that we try to focus on and, and to teach them that, yes, we have this phone. It can be used for good or evil. Uh, it could be a tool um, to be used for the glory of God, or it could be a device that destroys us. Absolutely. Um, and so we, we just try to help them navigate that. Yeah, that's excellent. I think that, you know, for me at 16, you know, for my parents, you know, they didn't even kind of, you know, have to deal with any of that. So I see, especially people who are even maybe a little bit younger than me, it's like they all, it's all they know. All they know is to have a phone. All they know is social media. So it kind of, just like you said, back in the day, if you had a bad day at school, you could just, you know, get away from it and go home. But now you have it following you. And I think also, you know, just being so absorbed into what other people are doing and, you know, a lot of times you get into comparison and insecurity and things like that. I think that produces, you know, a lot of um, just not good emotions that, you know, I don't think God wants us to have. Uh, and at the same time, just, you know, questions with identity, which just like you said, you know, our identity isn't found in anything that we're going to put on social media, anything that anyone else is going to put on social media. Our identity is who we are in Christ. And yeah. I think that, you know, I wish that's one thing that I try to, you know, tell people. A lot of times is that, you know, we can get so absorbed into this uh, little framework of our social lives and school and sports and all this and all that's great. But when the negative effects come, we have to remember that that's not who we are. This is not forever. You know, people think that, you know, I know sometimes, you know, the four years you're in high school may seem like forever, but it's not. There's a whole world out there. And at the end of the day, we have a life in eternity that, you know, this is going to pale in comparison to the glory that we have there. So we need to be more worried with that. But I tell you what, I, I, I really appreciate you just uh, coming on today. I knew this was in a, I was looking forward to it. It was an, an important conversation I wanted to have just to listen. And uh, for the sake of, you know, gaining that wisdom and gaining that uh, knowledge, I know that you're always a great source of that. And just appreciate you and your family and your ministry and everything that you've done. And I really thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to come talk with me on here today. Well, Camden, thank you, man, and very proud of you and excited about what God's doing in your life. And uh, keep going, man. And um, once again, thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Well, this will be out soon, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. So thank you very much. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, man. All right. See you. Bye. All right. Bye-bye.